Hebrews chapter 11, starting with verse 17. By faith, Abraham, who, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the angel, I'm sorry, the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Our Heavenly Fathers, we have opened your word today. We know you are good, and we celebrate your goodness, Father. Thank you for a country that we live in where we can worship freely. But Lord, let us not take these easy times to forget that we must live by faith. Truly, God, as we are going through trials as a nation, and maybe even as individuals, Lord, in our respective lives, Lord, we know that the only way to get through all of this is through faith in you. So we ask today, God, that you would help us to, to rise up as a church who lives by faith and not by sight, to be believers who live by faith and not by sight, that we go through this life trusting in what your son did upon the cross of Calvary because that is the only place we can find hope. Thank you for loving us. We ask this in your name. Amen. You know, again, as I was thinking about uh, this time of year, it's great to live in a nation. And I, I think maybe over my life, I've just kind of always just expected that my rights would always be held up in America. But really, when you're looking around, there's a lot of things coming against Christianity nowadays. And I know it's always kind of been there. You know, when I was a kid, it was, 
you know, there was other things that were going on, and so we're kind of in a new phase. But, but even, you know, with, with, with some of the restrictions that are putting on churches as far as what we can say, they're, they're starting to get to that point anyways, that, that the, the groundwork's been laid to, to, to determine what people can and can't say. It's there. Our neighbors to the north in Canada, there's a lot of stuff they cannot preach from their pulpits. And I'm not just saying that today as some kind of, uh, you know, conspiracy theory or something like that. Honestly, the Word of God tells us that the end times are going to be rough. And more than likely, we are, we are at, that, at that point in history. But whether we are or whether we're not, here's what we can all agree on. We can only please God through faith. And whatever we go through, if this is the end of times, so be it. And I'm almost in my heart of hearts. I know Jesus. I know where I'm going to go if I were to die or if Christ were to return. I know where I'm going. So for me, I'm kind of like, I hope it is the end of times, right? But for the believer, it, that's, that's, a, that's something that only comes through faith. And as sure as I am that I, I hope that Christ comes back, then that ought to prompt me to preach the gospel even more, to reach out to those who don't know. Because the other result is hell. And so I'm not going to be a person who only speaks to some people because of their skin color or their political affiliation or where they went to school. My, my job as a believer in Jesus Christ is to proclaim the gospel to all people. And that's your job too. And we do that by faith. We do that by, by living by faith. And faith only comes by hearing the word of God. It's a gift from God. I can't brag about what God may or may not be doing through our church. What I can brag about is that God is faithful, that his word is good and true, and through his word my faith can grow. And so when we're looking through this passage, and I hope some of you probably knew every one of these stories. Some of you have grown up listening to these, these tales of matriarchs and patriarchs who, who lived under the faith that God had given them. And we're, we're hearing their story, not because they were good people, but because they had what? Faith. Every one of those stories starts out with, by faith. By faith. At the end of the day, I don't want to be known as a, you know, a mega pastor. <laughs> All right? I don't want to be, even to my family, I don't want to be known as the best dad that ever lived. The fixer of things, Right? I want to be known as someone who lived by faith because that lasts forever. Faith is something that sustains us through all trials, all tribulation, all time. That, that at the end of the day, is that what really matters is that you have faith in Jesus because without it, you have nothing. I, I don't know who you may listen to besides uh, myself as a, as a pastor or a proclaimer of the Word of God, but there are a lot of preachers out there who are not preaching the gospel they're preaching a, a, a self-uplifting a self word where they're lifting up. And if, if you're going, I hear a lot of people that say, well, that preacher, he, there's nothing wrong with him. He's just, you know, he's, just wanting, he's just trying to help us be motivated. But the thing is, is that if someone just motivates you to feel good about yourself, there's nothing good to come from that. Because how long does that last? You know? How, how long does it last that we feel good about ourselves? Honestly, most of us probably deal with a little bit of self-hatred from time to time. <laughs> you ever looked in the mirror this morning? <laughs> You're like, what happened? What happened to you? You used to be mildly good-looking, and now, you know, it's like, what happened? You see what I'm saying, guys? Our only hope is faith in Christ. We need to be 
encircling ourselves with the message that, that we can only please God through faith, and that's it. And, and all of these stories that we, that we looked at this morning, it's all about faith. It doesn't say by, by good works Abraham did this or by good works Isaac did this or Jacob did this or even Rahab the prostitute did this. It's all by faith. So as your pastor this morning, as, as a person who's standing on the stage and proclaiming what God has laid on my heart, it's by faith that I speak to you that, that you may go and to do different things that maybe God's calling you to and you hadn't done them yet. By faith. There's a few points here, and I, uh, the first service I, I had, like, again, I had three good points that every Southern Baptist preacher has, and I made it through two. <laughs> so we'll see where we go. It'll probably be a different sermon, Jimmy, okay? But by faith, if you're writing down notes, by faith, we are truly able to bless those around us. By faith, we are truly able to bless those around us. This story of Abraham, and most of us are probably familiar with Abraham, aren't we? One of my, my favorite musicians of all time is a Hasidic Jew who raps reggae style about the Old Testament, okay? Now, I know some of you are like, what? Wait, let me wrap my head around this. A Hasidic Jew that does reggae music to Old Testament stories, right? It's great, I love it because, for me, it does bless me because I, he talks a lot about, you know, Moses and, and, and Joshua, and he talks about all these people in his songs. And, and I think about his music and how he is just continuing on a tradition of oral history telling. He's telling his, his listeners, hey, remember that. And, and he sings a lot of the Psalms, you know, what David wrote. There's a lot of, like, praise music. One of the things I do when I'm running, I listen to, uh, Modest Yahoo, because he, he sings a lot through the Psalms and, and some of the Hasidic and the Jewish prayers that were to God, right? And he sings those through those songs, and so it's uplifting to me. But as I'm listening to his music and as I'm reading this passage of Scripture, I'm reminded that all of these people are only still mentioned because they had faith in God. Does everybody hear that this morning? We, we see uh, monuments and statues being torn down around our society, and however you feel about that, I'm not wanting to talk about that. That's a whole other discussion, I'm, I'm sure. But as the statues come down, you know, those represent people and their deeds and what they lived, right? But Moses and Jacob and Isaac and Rahab, these people are not mentioned in Scripture because of their deeds, but rather they're mentioned because of their faith. Because of their faith. As a believer today, that, that should be the goal of all of our lives, is that we live by faith and not by sight. For you see, by faith, we are truly able to bless those around us. And, and I love that this chapter 11, there's a lot of mention of family in there. There's a lot of mention of, you know, last week we talked about Abraham and, and Sarah, right? And there was this idea of family and that, you know, Abraham was told something, but Sarah was too. A lot of times we don't, we don't focus on the females in Scripture, but Sarah was, was blessed to be the mother of that nation. And God promised her, God promised Abraham, that this promise was not something that was just said in passing, but God had promised something to the people. But now we get to this story where God says to Abraham, all right, the son I blessed you with that was impossible in your old age, now I want you to take him to a mountainside and I want you to kill him. You guys know that story, right? 
we just kind of mentioned it, but if you read the entire story, and I'd recommend going and reading the entire story this week, we may ask, what kind of God would instruct a man who had faith to go and to kill his son? And honestly, y'all, sometimes I, I deal with this because I'm like, why would God do that? But when we're reading Scripture, we don't need to always be asking the why. We need to be looking at the bigger picture. And really the point of the story here is that it's faith. Even in this passage, it starts out, by faith, Abraham, right? In other words, it's like a reminder, okay, I know this story is going to be really hard to chew on, but by faith, Abraham did this, and now we can see what happened. You see, Abraham, when he was going to the mountain that day, understand, I can't even imagine what it would be like to take my son, and there's Jet back there sitting by the computer. I cannot imagine taking him up on a mountain and put a knife to his throat. And it is life. I can't imagine what that would be like. And so in my mind, I think, why would this story, why, why would God require this of Abraham? Why, why is this something that, that we see in Scripture? Why is this something that we still talk about today? And, and honestly, I, I think we need to understand what the Old Testament is truly about. The Old Testament points us to Christ. The Old Testament points us towards Calvary. And even in this story, the, uh, we, we can see kind of the, the parallel with, with God sacrificing his one and only son. Here we had, you know, uh, Abraham had his one and only son. Now, I know he had two, but the sec the, that first son that he had was not in accordance to God's will. This was the son that God had blessed him with. Isaac was his son, his only begotten son. And we see this parallel in Scripture where, where what was to come. But I think even bigger, because if you read the entire story and we don't get it here, was that God actually offered the substitute for sacrifice. You guys remember this? That up on the hill, here, here is faithful old Abraham. And understand, Abraham was faithful to the point that he was able to cut his own self earlier on in the story, right? To prove his faithfulness to God. And that's just something I'm like, Wow. He also failed and slept with his wife's servant to have a kid because he didn't trust God. But doesn't that just speak to his humanity? He, he wasn't perfect. But here he is up on this hill and he's about to put the knife into his son's throat to, to let the blood flow over the altar and then to burn what was left. Here he was about to do that and God provided the sacrifice. The story of Abraham up on the mountain is not one about a God who desires people to kill their kids. And some of y'all may be like, what, what is this about? Because that's just disgusting. But honestly, we live in a nation where we murder our children every day. There are kids being murdered across the United States every single day. They're ripped from their mother's womb. We're really not that far away from where these people were. We're right there with them. We are depraved in our thinking to think that that would ever be okay. But up on the mountain, God provided the substitute. And up on the cross of Calvary, God provided the substitute in Jesus Christ. Right, that should make us a little bit happy today, shouldn't it? Now, I know sometimes it's hard, and we struggle in our Christian faith to, to wake up on a Sunday morning and to go to church. I understand that. That's really tough in our faith to wake up and go to church. But we're so weak sometimes in our faith. Here you got a guy that God spoke to, so he's having conversations with God. He's communing with God. He's having a, a prayer life with God. And God, in his, in his faithfulness to this man's faithfulness, says, I want you to go kill your son. And he does it. 
He prepares the knife. He prepares the rope. He prepares the means to get to the mountain. He climbs the mountain. He builds the altar. He has the means to start fire. You see what I'm saying? There was a lot of work that went into this. And by faith, he did it all. But in the end, who was God? Well, God was faithful. God, God was there. God was working through his promises. And I, I, what I think we need to know from this story, and as gross as it is, because, you know, this must have really just kind of took Abraham back a little bit. When you think about the, the cultures of the time, the, the cultures that lived on the plains then, they, they regularly, they took their kids and sacrificed them. That was something that the cultures around there did. And probably somewhere in Abraham's mind, he must have been like, God, are we, are we going to start worshiping like the rest of these people? The thoughts that must have went through his mind. But, guys, catch the, the full picture of the story here. The promise was bigger in Abraham's mind than the problem. The, the promise overshadowed the trial that he was going through. The promise was bigger than anything that he could have went through. The promise that God had made him earlier on. And when you know the story of Abraham, you understand God had said, you're going to be the father of many nations. We sing it as children, don't we? Father Abraham had many sons, right? Not just one son. Not one son and one illegitimate son, but it says Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. So maybe I should just get everybody up and have y'all do the motions too, right? Right arm, left arm, chin up, turn around. But the thing is, is as we're, as we're thinking about that story, the, the, it's not about it's not about like our works. It's not about who we are and how powerful that we are. It's about faith. And by faith, our, our forefather Abraham said, You know what, God, this doesn't make sense to me, but I'm going to trust what you're saying because I believe your promise is bigger than this trial. Your promise is going to overshadow. If you do have me take my son's life, I already know that you promised that through that son there would be other sons that through that son there would be a nation. I already understand that promise. And even if I have to take his life, you'll raise him again. And when I think of that story, Christ dying upon the cross. And guys, understand, I don't know what your theology is, but I know there's a lot of theology out there that says, well, maybe Jesus didn't really die. That when they offered him the goal, that that just kind of knocked him out and he appeared as dead. And then he woke up in a tomb and, and you know, he, he grew muscles and was able to move this big stone back, right? There's people that believe that about Jesus, that he didn't actually die. Some people even teach that Jesus didn't actually exist, for that matter. But by faith, as we trust that the moon was created by God, by faith we understand that God worked through Abraham. We can also believe that Jesus Christ came to die upon the cross for our sins. By faith. See, at the end of the day, all we have is faith. I'm amazed each and every week as I live. You know, maybe it's just because I'm getting older, but you know, I, I see people I know that pass away. People I know that go through stuff. A nation that is struggling right now. A world that is falling apart. At the end of the day, all that I really have is faith in God. At the end of the day, it's, it's all I have. It's all I have to hold on to. The, and all I have at the end of the day is that promise that God has made to all believers, and that is that we shall have eternal life. 
the old hymn writers um, had it best a lot of the times. And this past week, uh, Jim sends me for the first service. We, we there's more hymns and stuff in that first service, and Jim sends me the list. And so, um, the the program we use to download the the words so that you guys can watch it because you know we got to be careful with COVID, and so we can't share books and all that. So we put the words up on the screen. As I'm I'm going through that, I have to make sure that that the the words that I download match the words in the book, right? Or that the you know. As a good Baptist, we only sing like three verses. I mean, maybe four on a good Sunday. But we, you know, and some of those verse songs have like five or six verses. Or if you get into the Wesleyan hymns, they have, you know, 15 verses and things of that nature. So you kind of have to, I have to coordinate with Jim and with what our, our Baptist hymnal says. But one thing I'm, I'm kind of enjoying about that is I'm, I'm actually stopping and reading through the verses. Where a lot of times I just sing over it, but the truth in those verses. There's one song that uh, was written. It's a Southern Gospel hymn, actually, but it, you know, it talks about how this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. It's kind of been going through my head all this week. Because I look at this world and I think, man, Porham is a wonderful place to live. I like living here. I like living in Oklahoma. I, you know, I, I wouldn't want to live in any place like Texas. You know what I mean? I, I don't know how those people do it down there, you know? But, um, Anybody from Texas? Probably. There's some people here I don't know this morning. I probably just offended you. I apologize if you're from Texas. I love Texas. I, we, we go down there just for to explore. It's a great state, except for Texas football. But anyways, in Oklahoma, I like living here, right? But at the end of the day, this place could fall apart. This place could become some place that I wouldn't want to live. This place could become a prison. At the end of the day, all I have is faith. All I have is, is faith in, in my God and, and Abraham. All he had was faith. And by faith, he was able to actually do something for his family, for his descendants, for you and I as the church today. He was able to pass on a blessing of goodness and that if you trust in God, his promises will supersede anything you go through. Isn't that good? To think that that promise of eternal life, that no matter what we go through, and if this is the end times, so be it. We've already been blessed with a promise. Don't forget the promise. Well, some might be saying, what is the promise, Daniel? What is the promise that you speak of? Here's the promise, is that if we believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. And that if we do that, we'll never be put to shame. That message of that we read there in Romans, that, that message of, you know, when God calls us to repentance and then we proclaim that with our lives, that promise that, that God makes there, it will always be in effect. Don't ever wonder if you're saved or not. If God has saved you, then guess what? He has saved you. And by faith, we believe that. By, by faith, we don't question that. By faith, we just say, you know what, God? I, I believe your promise that your salvation is for all time, and so I'm going to trust in that. By faith, God, I know that you're going to sustain your church. Jesus spoke of the church in, in, in the, the Gospels, and he says that the, the gates of hell will not even prevail against God's church. It doesn't matter what the government does or what some radical group does to the church. It doesn't matter what, you know, and guys, you know, keep your wits about yourself in this crazy world we live in, sure. But more importantly, live by faith. Because this world, in all of its glory, in all of its power, will never knock the church of Christ down. The church of God will always exist. Nothing will ever tear it down. Because 
God has instituted this church. Are you guys hearing that this morning? And by faith, we're able to bless those around us. As you're reading through that story, you see that Abraham was able to bless all the folks that were to come after him because of his faithfulness. I was mentioning Modest Yahu earlier, and he still tells the story of Abraham and his music. This morning, we're remembering the story of Abraham, and honestly, what we're really learning from this is not really so much Abraham as it is that gift of faith that God gave Abraham. That's really the story here. We can sit and debate like why God would want him to do this. Maybe it was to be a message to all those, those nations that were sacrificing their children that that's not God's will and that God has a better way to live. Maybe it was a message that people heard back then and they were able to understand. However you want to view it, the, the, the thing is, is that this story, and the reason it's mentioned in a faith chapter is because faith is the point. Faith is, is the essence of who we should be. Abraham saw that his promise that was promised to him by a living and true God, a righteous God, that that promise was bigger than the trial that he was facing on that mountain that day. So he just went with it. And he said, God, you're going to do what you're going to do because you are in control. And I have faith that your way is better than my way. Your way of thinking is higher than my way of thinking. Abraham calculated that promise. And that promise, size-wise, was bigger than the problem that he was calculating as well. And again, I, just, I, I draw us to think about the extremes that he, Abraham went through that day. To, to prepare the knife, to prepare the rope, to prepare the rocks, to prepare the fire. You know, all of this stuff that he went through to get to that point, he had already counted the fact in his mind that God was going to raise his son up. He already knew that that promise was going to come true. Somehow God was going to be shown magnificent. And so whatever trial that you're going through in life right now, church, understand this, God will be shown through it by faith. It's really weird meeting in two services with my folks every Sunday. It's strange. It was really strange for 14 weeks or whatever it was, meeting through a can, and you guys were listening to me. That was strange too. But what I found at the end of the day is that the faithful, those that really live by faith, are still serving God. That as much help as your pastor might be or your church might be, at the end of the day, all we need is faith in Christ. That's it. That if the United States of America was to become a pagan nation, which we're not far from it, we have this, we have this picture that we're one nation under God, but I look around and I don't see that. I'm pretty sure that we were never a Christian nation when I look at the way we behaved. The way that we took land from people, the way that we enslaved folks, the way that we were ro ruled by this thing called money and possession. I'm not sure that we were ever a Christian nation. I think we had a bunch of people walking around with a flag saying, you know, I'm a Christian. But really, deep down inside, they were just living for themselves. I know a lot of people don't like hearing that message, but guys, look at history. And honestly, the ones that, that do will find that this world is broken. And guys, I say that as an American, understand. I say that as someone who's, uh, you know, I, I've, my family's been here a long time. We were a bunch of poor Irish immigrants, I guess, at some point in the 1700s, and they came over here to find a better life for themselves. But I'm, I'm pretty sure that a lot of my family didn't make right choices. They probably treated some people as less than. 
But the beauty in the story of America is not America the beautiful, but the story is going to be great in the end of time when God redeems us. There's no president. There's no Congress. There's no political party that will redeem America. We've got to get that out of our head. The only thing that will redeem the people of America is Christ Jesus His blood is the one that can cover a multitude of sin. It's not some bill passed in Congress. It's not some political movement on the streets. The only thing that will save America is the blood of Jesus. And if we would focus on that, that is the answer. Which, by the way, I I really think there's still hope for America. A lot of people have just given up on America saying, well, America's done. But honestly, you know, in in the end times... America does, even though everything it falls apart, and we know that Revelation talks about how the world falls apart and follows a one world leader, it never says that America has to be that. We could be that one light in the world that, that does the right thing. And then God calls us home. How cool would it be if America the beautiful really was America the godly, America the faithful, and that when Jesus comes back to take his church, an entire nation leaves the earth. You think the world wouldn't see that? You see, as a pastor, man, I'm not anti-American. I'm not anti this, that, or the other. Here's what I am. I'm pro-faith. And I believe that there's still time for us to proclaim the gospel to our nation and to the world. A couple weeks ago when Brother Samare was here, did he he not just bless your hearts? He messages me like once a week, just let me know how he's doing. I love that, you know, to see what God's doing through this man in Kenya. Now he's reaching not just Christians, but he's reaching people who are, you know, traditional type religions or people who are are Muslim in faith. He's reaching all these people. And it's not by political affiliation or skin color. Brother Samari, he looks a lot different than me. But on the inside, we're all God's creatures. On the inside, we're all saved by the same faith. When he was here preaching, I'm like, man, that's like a sermon I would have preached. Not as cool accent, but that's the same sermon, right? God loves his people. And by faith, we can see that, that all of this can be, can be a better place if we just trust in Jesus. That America can be America the, the beautiful again. America can be that, that institute that proclaims the gospel to the world. And we need to be a people that are a people of faith. And we need to be a people who see that his promise is bigger than the trials that we're going through right now. The trials, and I think if we think small here, it's, it's really strange not getting to see a lot of our folks every week. And Joni and I had this conversation this week, and it's, it's hard for a lot of us not to see the, the other half, right? We got the 9.30 service and 11.30, 11 service. You know, we got our small groups that still meet sporadically, and, and there's this stuff that's going on. Our Sunday school's online right now. It's really tough. It's hard. So what will sustain us as a church? It'll be faith. It'll be faith. And wh- I hope we get to come back together soon. But even if we don't, we have something even bigger in Christ. We have something even better in Christ. And so we see that that promise is bigger than the trials that we're going through right now. That that's a, that's a bigger thing. When you, when you kind of go through here, and, and again, I, I had three good points for a sermon. I'm not going to get there again. So we'll get through two, right? 
That first point was that, that faith allows us to bless the people that are around us. The second point I want us to look at is that faith helps, helps, helps us to be godly in our leadership. And when you're, when you're going through the, uh, the, the latter verses there, verse 20, it says, By faith Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. If you don't know that story, go look at it. He blesses his sons. He blesses his own sons. Do you think that happened by chance or the fact that he remembered what his dad did? Well, dad blessed me. Dad had faith. And so by faith, I'm going to bless my sons. Does it stop there? No. Verse 21, by faith, Jacob, grandson of Abraham, right? By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph. What's your point here, Daniel? Why are you making this, this, why are you drawing light of this? Understand this today. Your faith should be lived out loud. Your faith is not something you keep to yourself. People at your job or in your family should know without a shadow of a doubt who you serve. I'm not saying you should be obnoxious and rude, which I see that a lot in our churches. This past week, I, I was, it really set me back. We had a, we're Southern Baptists, right? And so the Southern Baptists in Oklahoma, the Oklahoma Baptists come up with a group where all pastors could come together and talk and encourage each other. You want to know what kind of world we live in? I'll tell you what kind of world we live in. They had to shut the group down because the pastors were being so mean to each other. God help us. God help us that they had to shut down a pastor's group where we were supposed to be encouraging each other in our ministries. They couldn't even get along on, on certain issues, and so they just had to shut the whole thing down because people were being so terrible to each other. Wow. Is that living by faith? And I know we're really amped up in our society right now. You know, and probably even in this, you know, you mentioned Trump. You're probably going to get people that are ultra supportive of the guy or they hate the guy. I'm kind of right there in the middle. I was like, I just pray for whoever's in leadership because I believe God's placed them there. I prayed for President Obama. I prayed for President Bush. I prayed for President Clinton. Why? Because by faith, I understand that God's in control ultimately. You bet I pray for President Trump. I want my nation to succeed, don't you? I hear some people say, well, they're not supporting Trump right now. But at the same time, those same people weren't supporting President Obama either with prayer. <laughs> I'm not saying you got to support their policies, but do you pray for these people? Well, nah, I'm not called to pray for a Democrat, or I'm not called to pray for a Republican. Actually, Jesus said this. Pray for your enemies and those that persecute you. That's what Jesus said. Do you believe that? It's funny because honestly, like, during both presidencies, I've been labeled like the opposite because I was praying for my president. When I prayed for President Obama, I was labeled a liberal. And when now when I pray for President Trump, they say, well, you're a conservative. You know what I am? I'm a born-again son of God. And it's by faith that I please God. And also understand that there's no president that I need to put above God. There's no government I need to put above God. There's not even a denomination I need to put above God. I live by faith and not by sight. Abraham lived by faith 
and not by sight. Isaac did the same thing. Jacob did the same thing. Their faith was lived out loud to the point that, you know, I, I always kind of struggle with this when we do our big, you know, usually it's, there's a bunch of kids up here and we do our, like our baby dedications a couple times a year. And I always struggle, like, what do I pray? You know, like, what is it that I say? Or, you know, and, and you're, you're anointing a little kid's head with oil, you know, and it's just a, as a symbol of blessing and all of this, and those kids are either pulling away or they're trying to grab the, the anointing oil, which is really expensive at Mardell. Or they're looking around, they're like, why are all these people, like, praying at the same time and touching, you know, what, what is this? What is this is weird. The kids always act in those ways. But you know what's interesting about this story? We don't see how Jacob prayed or how Isaac prayed. We don't even see how Abraham behaved upon the hill. All we know is that by faith, they did what they were supposed to do. All we see in the, in the blessing prayers is that they blessed them. And it could have been a simple prayer like, God, would you bless my sons? Amen. That could have been all it was. We don't know the, the exact wording of the prayers, but we just know that the prayers happens. And at the end of the day, what people need to know and remember about us is that we live by faith that we were people of the book, that we were people of prayer, that we were people of faith. That's the important thing to remember here. So as we, as we navigate through these, these terrible waters that we're going through as a, as a church and as a nation and maybe even as individuals, you know, I, I have a friend who she lost her husband and I, I can't even imagine what that must feel like to be her. And in my mind, I can't, I can't wrap my mind around the fact that there's going to be some little girls grow up without their daddy. And honestly, yesterday, it just kind of it just set me back when I heard about it. And, and I, I thought, man, you know, this guy, he's like my age, and this happens. But by faith, we can go through anything that happens in this world. The truth of the matter is this world is broken. That's why Jesus came. This world is, is in a bad situation, and that's why Christ died upon the cross. Because at the end of the day, all we have is Him. At the end of the day, all we have is, is peace in knowing that, that He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So, let us live by faith. Let us walk by faith and not by sight through these times that, you know, people say, well, how long are we going to be doing the two-service thing? And when, when will Sunday school, Brent, when's it going to kick off again in person? I don't know all these answers. I, we're just trying to make the, the right decision because I know some people are really scared of the pandemic and some don't believe it exists. And there's this, you know, and so we're, we're trying to navigate this. I mean, there is, there's a virus. Is it as scary as it is? I don't know. But here's what we do know is that by faith, we're going to get through this. Have we made all the right decisions in the way we decided to do church here? I'm not sure. I just know we're trying, and by faith, we're just going to keep meeting. And honestly, if you blame your lack of relationship with God because a church met or not, then I have to question, where's your faith at? I don't say that judgmentally. I'm just saying that. Do you think God would bless us with this thing called eternal life if he's not able to sustain it? It doesn't take his church to sustain our relationship with him. He does that. He does that. Well, Daniel, that doesn't make sense. It does make sense because, honestly, for a majority of the church's history, we've been under persecution. We've been, we've been babied in America. We've been given it to us, the, the, the ability to worship freely and to do all of this because that's what we were founded upon. But the thing is, is that throughout history, churches in China, churches in the Middle East were obliterated. Whole, whole 
communities of people were killed. Go to places like Somalia today and you'll see what happens to Christians. Go to, go to the, uh, the, the Arab states and you'll see what happens to Christians. They'll cut their heads off. But you know what? Those headless people go to heaven because God gave them eternal life. By faith and not by sight. Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your people who have come to this house today. Lord, I know we, we probably all have different, different opinions on this, that, or the other. But the one thing we need to unite upon is the fact that your promise is bigger than any trial we may be going through. One thing we need to, to be united upon today is that Jesus Christ is the King of the world. That His death upon the cross of Calvary is, is, is the act that, that changed the destination or of all people if they will just believe. So God, on this 4th of July weekend, I... My prayer is that America would seek redemption through your son, Jesus Christ. We'll quit being political or social, but God, we'll become a people who understand that you're the only answer. You're the only hope that we have in this world today. God, would you call your church to be real? Would you call us to be people who, who actually live by the book? Help us to see that your promises are sure. Your promises are bigger than the trials of this life. 